and Therapy, a podcast to inspire and encourage. I'm your host, Jamie Johnson, a clinical social worker working in the mental health field for the last 10 years. I believe this podcast is God-inspired and will be God-led. I thank you for joining me as we peel back the layers of mental health and our faith. If you'd like to reach me, contact me at faithlovetherapy at gmail.com. Again, that's faithlovetherapy at gmail.com. Well, we made it. It's 2021. We are here. We've made it through 2020. And I just want to take a moment to welcome any new listeners and to say thank you to those that decided to stick around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So today I decided to talk a little bit about um, the importance of self-assessment. And the reason why I thought about this topic is because we have been sharing, a lot of us have been sharing, whether on, on our platforms or in conversations with each other, kind of what we have learned about ourselves during this pandemic. We've been in a pandemic for, I think, going on 11 months, if not more, going on 11 months, maybe. We're not quite at a year. Um, And so hopefully during this time, not that we needed to be all spectacular on the other side of this, but we have been at least doing some self-assessment and figuring out uh, what's, what's going on with us, who we are, what's important to us. We've had a lot of time to think, a lot of time to process, a lot of time to worry for some of us. And so some of us might have realized, you know, I'm more fearful than I realized, or I'm resilient, or I want more out of my life, or I need to invest more in myself. Um, I need to really look at my relationships, how good they are, what they need, whether that's personal relationships or, or our career. So I think being able to truly assess what is happening in us requires self-awareness. And it has to go deeper than some of us have gone in a while. While, uh, you know, self-awareness is important, it is critical to our mental health. Self-awareness allows us to identify the mental narratives, the lies and the issues impacting our overall wellness. You can challenge or battle something that you know, but you can't challenge or battle something that you're not even acknowledging. Our negative thoughts are rooted in a belief, um, and typically it's more like a lie, um, and it's out of alignment with who God says we are. If we are to explore those thoughts, we would likely find that we have some cracks in our foundation affecting how we think and subsequently how we feel. So what can we do to increase our self-awareness? Well, I think part of it is really acknowledging who we are, what we've been through, our experiences, the things that have impacted our life. Um, I think it's important to really set a time with God and to allow him to speak into our hearts, to really just sit with him. And I know for some of us, sitting in silence is difficult. Sitting and having a moment of silence, especially when we think about praying, we always have something that we want to say, something we always want to ask for, even just give thanks. But there's an important part of sitting with God and our relationship with God of just sitting in silence and allowing him to speak to us, allowing him to reveal some things in us. After we've taken that time to really sit and allow him to hear our hearts uh, without necessarily speaking, then we can ask some questions. You know, it's time to ask questions. Um, and if you feel led, maybe even wise counsel. But some of the questions that I think are important are, uh, one, what are the lies that are affecting me? And many of the lies, you know, just being in therapy, there are some common um, lies that I see manifest in many different ways. And I'd say that there are probably three major ones um, that are common lies. Performance equals value. So those people who are very much attached to what they produce uh, is, is what gives me value. How What I achieve gives me value. 
The other one is people pleasing. You know, if I'm good to people, if I'm nice to people, if I do what people um, ask of me, that gives me value. My kindness gives me value. And then there's the control lie. I need to be in control. Um, having control makes me feel better. Um, it also makes me feel like I have more value. And so being able to explore the lies that are affecting you, you have to be honest and really sit with your behavior and your thoughts. Many of us struggle to do that because then we really have to see ourselves clearly. And sometimes that can be extremely uncomfortable. Another question related to that is I think, what is my value connected to? What we don't think about, what we don't realize when we're in the thick of things is that our value has never been connected to anything that we've achieved or anything that we have um, secured, anything that we, the money that we make, the relationships that we have, our value has never been attached to those things. It always, especially as a believer, our value started at the cross. Our value started when, when Christ decided to die for us and he said, I, he, he said, I love you enough that I'll give you my life. And so that is where our value comes from. But many of us lose sight of that because the world is so consumed and so focused on uh, material things, but also who are you? When you think of conversations and you meet someone new, one of the first things that people ask is, so what do you do? Um, you know, what kind of work do you do? That, that is something that is a natural um, initial conversation or question within, a, within meeting someone, within minutes of meeting someone. And so it places value on, you know, what do you do for work? How much money do you make? What kind of life do you live? Um, and so it's hard to pay attention to the fact that that is not what creates value because we focus so much on that particular area. Another question to ask yourself is how, how do these lies manifest? So what is the behavior that comes from um, perform value and performance? What is the behavior that comes from control? What is the behavior that comes from people pleasing? And really being honest about that, because out of some of those beliefs, we'll find attached to them anxiety and depression, anxiety because I have to perform, anxiety because I need to achieve a certain level of greatness, uh, depression because I'm not achieving what I think I need to achieve in order to bring value, or because everything is out of my control and I feel lost and I feel like I am, you know, losing it. So being able to really see what behaviors come from those unhealthy beliefs, those common lies that we all struggle with, that many of us struggle with. Also, what image are, of yourself are you attached to? So what, you per, what image that you are showing the world that you feel like the world has to see and they cannot see the other part of me? They can't see the anxious part of me. They can't see the angry part of me. They can't see uh, the part that is worried about being successful. They can't see the part of me that is, you know, not sleeping because I don't know if I'm going to, um, you know, make this pitch or, or get this job or, you know, make the next uh, promotion. So that part of me, I don't want to show the world. So I show the world this very confident, very uh, got it together type personality, but I'm attached to that particular image. So if I, if, if I begin to struggle or if you can't, if I, feel as though you don't see that particular image, um, I, have, I have issue. Another question is, what am I defensive about? You know, how am I using um, this particular defensive area or area of defense um, to prevent being vulnerable, vulnerable? I can't tell you how many times in therapy um, I'll have conversations with clients or sessions with clients, and the issue of vulnerability comes up 
I mean, I'd say at least daily, the issue of being vulnerable and the fear of being vulnerable. And while what I try to do is help clients understand the power of vulnerability. I think Brene Brown does an awesome job of really exp explaining the power of vulnerability. And if you have the opportunity, if you have not already, definitely look on YouTube and, and see some of her uh, conversations about vulnerability because it really provides an opportunity it provides a space for us to really begin to connect from a human level without feeling the need to perform. So, you know, one of the things I like to use examples, um, not necessarily of my clients, but I like to use examples of my own experience because I think it's important to be transparent. And so in my own process of really revealing um, my, my common lies, the process of going through self-awareness and really trying to boil things down to the truth, um, one of my common lies was regarding people pleasing and my value. And so really tracing that back, um, I trace that back really early in my childhood to just being um, my kindness and my gentleness being valued. It was always something that people would speak highly of. And so to me, that connected people pleasing or doing what people wanted to making people happy and then people would want me to be around. And so when I'm not, when I wasn't people pleasing, I struggled with the feeling of people wanting me to be around. And I really had to ask myself, you know, how was that manifesting? Well, it was manifesting in the fact that I was developing resentment that I wasn't expressing, um, that I was feeling that I didn't want to be around people because I couldn't be myself if I wasn't going to be extremely um, happy, if I wasn't going to, you know, basically say yes to whatever they needed, that I'd rather not be around because they're not going to want me to be around anyway. I felt um, that people pleasing was kind of my way of developing relationships. So in order for people to really feel connected to me, it would be from um, the kindness I showed them or what I did for them or, or saying yes to what they asked of me. And so it would manifest in ways of um, me really sacrificing myself and not truly knowing who I am um, at my core because I've become whatever everyone else needed me to be. So um, I did develop some depression. I did experience depression uh, for several years during my teenage years. And if you've heard other podcasts, you've heard me uh, mention that. And really being able to connect the fact that people-pleasing was a, a big part of my depression. And when I felt like I was not good enough because I wasn't able to please people all the time, uh, then I going into that dark place and, and struggling with, with, my, with myself. Um, and so I was kind of attached to the image of this gentle Jamie, you know, attached to this image of this just super kind, you know, she's always there. If you need her, she's going to do what you need. Um, and I was attached to that. And it was very hard to pull away from that until I literally was exhausted. Um, and I remember being exhausted and being involved in like several different um, clubs and several different uh, uh, responsibilities at church. And just I was always saying yes. And I physically felt the effect of being a people pleaser like I was feeling sick and I was feeling unhappy and I was feeling depressed and so I started therapy at the time not knowing that that's what the connection was but being able to uh, unpack that was extra extremely important so um, I was attached to the good girl I was attached to the golden child I was attached to being kind makes me um, important and it makes people love me and so being able to recognize that that particular image was not me, it was not my authentic self, uh, required um, a lot of work 
And it still requires work. It still requires me self doing self-assessment to see, okay, Jamie, why are you, why are you committing yourself to this? What is this, what is this for? And not from the sense of, you know, just saying no to be saying no, but truly assessing why I'm saying yes. And is it my purpose? Is it my assignment? Is it what God is calling me to do at this time in my life? Um, and being able to be honest about that. And then, you know, what am I defensive about? Well, I was defensive about, you know, not feeling like I was enough. I was defensive about um, when anyone would even give me uh, constructive criticism or feedback. You know, I remember one of my first jobs out of college, my um, immediate supervisor was giving me feedback and it wasn't anything malicious. It was honestly just regular feedback, but I literally had to fight back tears and after my supervision, I had to go in the bathroom and I'm crying. And I'm like, why am I crying? Because he's telling me, you know, ways to be better. Um, but it showed up in the sense of feeling like I was being, I was not good enough. And all he was saying is, hey, here's another way. But I internalized that, you know, that role of being a people pleaser so deeply that even constructive criticism made me fall apart. And so I really had to, I really had to deal with that. And I, I love, you know, I'm, I'm a therapist, so I'm in support of going to therapy, even no matter what your role is. I think, again, the best therapists have a therapist of their own. You have to unpack your stuff or it's just not going to be effective. Um, so, yeah, the issue of self-awareness, of really asking yourself the hard questions, those aren't the only questions, but I think those are a good start when you want to be able to see yourself clearly. Um, and then once you begin to see, you know, what and why and how we live and think, we can use truth to replace the lie. And as believers, we go to our source, which is the scripture. And the scripture will allow, um, as we study it and as, as we repeat it, as we really understand it, it'll allow the Holy Spirit to rebuild our foundation. And please understand that, you know, it works. This process of self-awareness really does work. Um, it does require faith, you know, to really sit with God and allow him to show you what's happening with you, why you do what you do. And it's for the betterment of our souls, our mind, our will and our emotions. Being able to be self-aware is not something that we should take lightly because there are so many of us that refuse to sit with who we truly are. And we wake up one day and we realize that we have not been living an authentic life. We have not been living a, a life inspired by who God has called us to be, but we have been living a life that is a lie. And so my encouragement today is to truly take time to sit with God, to self-assess um, so that it benefits not only our personality, but our mental health, our emotional wellness, and our and living a truly faith-filled life. So again, I thank you for joining me today on Faith, Love, and Therapy. I hope that you come back and have a great day. Thank you.